Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we look forward to what we can expect to see at the Royal Rumble this weekend. We say goodbye to Jay Briscoe and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. All right, here we are, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, I hope everybody's doing good, it was uh, it was a tough week for a lot of wrestling fans, for a lot of people in the wrestling world in general, it was, uh, it was a sad week, uh, this week we lost Jay Briscoe one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. And and Jay Briscoe is a guy who, with his brother Mark as the Briscoe brothers, maybe made a bigger impact in the world of professional wrestling, at least in America, without ever stepping foot in WWE, WCW, AEW, none of those big national promotions than maybe everybody, anybody else. ECW aside, of course. Uh, uh, the Briscoe brothers and and Jay as an individual, um, I mean, people got to know them from a lot of different uh, promotions. I guess before we start to talk about Jay from the perspective of a fan, just to, I mean, catch everybody up to speed, he died in just such a, a horrific tragic way in the sense that it was a car accident and with his daughters in the back of the seat in in the back seat of the car and you know you try it's only human to try to make sense of some of this stuff when when terrible tragic sad things happen you try to make sense you try to justify it. You try to figure out what you would have done differently. You try to do something to make the loss have some semblance of sense. And no matter how hard you look at this one, there, there's, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing to take away from this other than the fact that we should all, number one, make sure to be grateful for every day we have on this planet because you don't know when it's your last. And number two, make sure to appreciate everybody that you feel deserves appreciation while they're still on this planet. Give people flowers while they can still smell them, as the old saying goes. Because, I mean, and I think people did that for Jay. I would I would hope that he realized how revered i would say is the word that he was um people from all over the wrestling world uh have talked about him and, and the impact that he made on their careers uh you saw throughout uh dynamite you saw through smackdown you saw through social media wrestlers in every company conceivable talking about him paying respects to him wearing the armbands on television that said Jay Briscoe, you heard Vic Joseph on NXT. I mean, minutes after it was publicly announced, Tony Khan announced on Twitter, it was the first public announcement, the first time most of us had heard it, that Jay was no longer with us. And then not long after that, uh, they announced it on NXT, which is very atypical for somebody that has never sniffed a WWE ring to be acknowledged in that way. But Jay was special. Um, and then, like I said, you saw on Dynamite, the armbands. You saw on SmackDown, the armbands. Michael Cole, again, on SmackDown, making reference to Jay. Of course, Excalibur and the commentators on AEW making reference to Jay. And I'm really looking forward to the special that was shot for Jay. Apparently, after Dynamite this week, uh, a special was shot uh, that will be on Honor Club for free. It'll be on Ring of Honor's channel for free. It'll, it'll, they're going to try to put it everywhere fans' eyes would go to, to, to make sure that we can all kind of experience this celebration of life because 
I mean, just in AEW, you look at the amount of people who were impacted by Jay Briscoe, who had some kind of a, uh, uh, who had matches with Jay Briscoe, shared a locker room with Jay Briscoe. Uh, Jay Briscoe defended the Ring of Honor World Title against Samoa Joe, who's in a against. He had an incredible rivalry with Adam Cole. I mean, there's so many people, and you know, there's there's of course all the negatives that go around, and as is normal. Um, rumors that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, the reason that the Jay Briscoe's tribute was not part of Dynamite was because Warner Brothers Discovery did not want anything to do with it. Uh, I don't know if that's true or false. If it's true, it's pretty shameful. If it's false, I wish people wouldn't spread false information. But if it's true, it's 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 pretty gross, to tell you the truth. Um, Jay Briscoe and the Briscoe brothers as a tag team uh, were just an incredible act and 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 Jay is just one of those special performers. You know, I I feel that I myself and a lot of fans were robbed that we never got to see the Briscoes in WWE or in AEW. And when people talk about Jay Briscoe, I I would hope that now his his career and the fact that he was a, a great guy and an incredible family man is what they talk about. Um, you know, when you talk about the fact that he wasn't in AEW or WWE, it usually goes back to these uh, terrible homophobic tweets that he tweeted out uh, over 10 years ago. But what I take away from the Twitter controversy that Jay Briscoe was in is his ability to genuinely recognize a fault, a gross fault, and and try to change it and and put the work in to change it, whether it was going up to people, I mean, for years, and and trying to show himself as a person who realizes that those tweets were mistakes. The, the sensitivity classes that he went to, the apologies that he made, I mean, for years. You never heard this guy say, look, I apologize for that, I'm done talking about it. It came up for years. And every time it came up, he took responsibility, he took ownership, he apologized. And I don't think there's anybody that spent any amount of time with or around Jay Briscoe that feels that those tweets are at all reflective of the person that was on this planet seven days ago at this point. Um you know, Jay and Mark Briscoe, the Briscoe brothers, uh, they had a, a huge career. And Mark, I'm, I'm hoping, will still have a huge career. But as a team, we saw them in Impact Wrestling. We saw them in Game Changer Wrestling. GCW very recently as GCW Tag Team Champions. Really early on, they were in NWA Wildside, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah over in Japan, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, all over the place across the Indies. But Ring of Honor is really the place that they called home and where they made so many memorable moments for so many of us. When you look at Ring of Honor as an organization, it's a really fascinating thing because they're just such an important organization in the history of American professional wrestling. Uh, and there's multiple eras of them showcasing their place and how important they are. I think the 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 first era, I would split it into thirds, but you could argue there's even more. But the thirds that I look at are are the very beginning, the very early 2000s when Ring of Honor launches. And the reason that that's so important is that was what was left, you know, when when ECW went out of business and WWE bought WCW and WWE was the one big dog. We take for granted now because independent wrestling is is thriving. But at that point, independent wrestling was dying. It was dying off. And there was no large independent wrestling body. And there was no, I mean, the, the internet was around, but it wasn't like you could get eye, everybody's eyeballs onto one thing that wasn't on mainstream television. When ECW went away, ECW was that independent wrestling fixture 
that allowed people who weren't in WWE or WCW to have this mainstream place to go. And that went away. It was like, yeah, it, you might find a local show running at, a, at, at an armory by you or something, but there wasn't that, that body and Ring of Honor took the place of ECW and it was a completely different product because it, it went more towards the Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko side of ECW than the Sandman and Sabu side of ECW that ECW became known for. They went for the W in ECW instead of the E. But they basically pulled in all of the best independent wrestlers out there and tried to create this Super League. And from the beginning, they took over that spot that ECW held. And that spot was so important because it, it kept that part of the wrestling industry alive. To me, the, the, the second phase of Ring of Honor that you just go, wow, this is such an important spot is like around 2000, I don't know, 2007-ish. The whole generation of 2006, 2007, 2008, uh, you know, right around the, towards the end of CM Punk and going forward. Because you look after CM Punk's run, CM Punk comes to WWE and you go into 2006, 2007, 2008. And that's when we find Kevin Steen, El Generico, Brian Danielson, Tyler Black, all of these stars that would become Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, <laughs> Brian Danielson. You know, and there, there's, so, there's so many more. But if you look at Samoa Joe, if you look at Ring of Honor in 2006, 2007, you see the entire landscape of what became professional wrestling. They, they fed into NXT and NXT became for wrestling fans for a minute, I think the hottest territory in wrestling. And it was all fueled by this, this talent that was really cultivated and made a name for themselves and got great in Ring of Honor. And then you go into the third phase, which is, I don't know, 10 years, maybe a little less, removed from that. It's around 2016-ish. Uh, uh, and that's when Ring of Honor becomes the, the landing spot in America for the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club had been this incredible faction that, that reached global eyeballs over in New Japan. And once they got to Ring of Honor and that became their American home, Ring of Honor took off again. But when you look at that, that's when you had the Young Bucks. That's when you had Adam Cole, who would go to NXT and then, and then eventually to AEW. That's when Kenny Omega started coming and Cody Rhodes. It was really Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Marty Skrull at the time. And you look at it and you realize that what was happening in Ring of Honor in 2016 going into 2017 was what would be AEW. The, the, this was, this, this thing that was happening was what was going to fuel AEW and create the first national promotion on national cable television to compete with WWE in 20 years. That was happening in Ring of Honor. And when you look at these three times, these three eras in Ring of Honor that are spread out over 20 years, the one constant is the Briscoe brothers. The Briscoe brothers are there for all of it. I would, I would highly recommend that you guys spend some time this week and just go on YouTube and look at what the talk is all about why everybody is grieving the loss of Jay Briscoe. I mean, you go to the, the, the Briscoes come into Ring of Honor and they win their first Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship in 2003. The Briscoes held that title un unprecedented 13 times. They, of course, won it for the 13th time at Final Battle 2022. That's 20 years. They won their first in 2003. Won the, they won their last December of 2022. 
And you look at this team, and 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 what's amazing is that you look over all the years, all those 20 years of matches, and you've got classics and classics and classics and classics. And when they show up in December of 2022 to face FTR for those Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, you don't get a tag team that's 20 years in and on their Legends Tour. You get what's been described by many as the greatest dog collar match that's ever taken place. You get a classic match that will live forever for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. A match that main evented final battle. That's what you get. You get a Briscoe Brothers that were better, even better, as good as they were in 2003, as good as they were in 2006, as good as they were in 2015. They were the best they've ever been. I couldn't believe when I read that Jay Briscoe was only 38 years old because of how much he's already accomplished. I mean, if you want to go back, go into 2007. Look at what was going on in 2007 in Ring of Honor. In 2007, you have the Ladder Wars with the Briscoe brothers versus Kevin Steen and El Generico. I mean, not only is it just an incredible match, but it's the it's the blueprint for the future. It's 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 everything and it's right there, right in front of our eyes for us to see. That same year, 2007, you talk about Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins as Tyler Black was part of this faction in Ring of Honor called the Age of the Fall that was led by Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy Jacobs in 2007, just, I mean, there's nobody like him. But there's this moment where the Age of the Fall attacks Jay Briscoe. And Ring of Honor is like one of these promotions that's known for their matches, not their angles, but this angle, this visual, anybody that saw it, this is a forever visual. As they attack, brutally attack Jay Briscoe to the point that you think it's real. And he's, and he's profusely bleeding. And they tie up Jay Briscoe's ankles and they hang him from the ceiling. And he is raining blood down as Jimmy Jacobs cuts a promo directly under him. If that doesn't convince you that you need to see a Briscoe Brothers versus the Age of the Fall match, I don't know what will. That is one of the things that made Jay Briscoe such a unique and incredible performer was the believability. There was no point where you thought that Jay was just playing a character for us, right? Where we're, we're all in on the gag together. Like, no, this is... Jay Briscoe is Jay Briscoe is Jay Briscoe. And what's especially unique and especially incredible about that with him is that he could be the top heel or the top babyface in a company at any moment, and you would believe it. You could boo or cheer for him just as easily and you'd be booing or cheering based on how, as a performer, he wanted you to react. The natural charisma that came off him, along with that level of believability, his promo ability, and his ability in the ring, is why everybody that's ever worked with him is raining praise down on him and will hopefully do it forever. It was, it was, as good as he was, people were surprised in Ring of Honor when he won, uh, or fans, when he won the Ring of Honor Championship as a singles competitor for the first time. He defeated uh, Kevin Steen in another fantastic match to win that Ring of Honor Championship. And he ended up holding the title twice. He had to give it up. Then he came back. He won it back. And he had a real run. That's when he wrestled Adam Cole. That's when he was wrestling Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor Championship. I had the, the great fortune 
during that uh, Adam Cole, Jay Briscoe rivalry to interview Jay. And I knew this was a while ago. I had no idea how long ago it was. You know, doing the podcast, I forget a lot of the interviews that I do. But I was so, there was just something about Jay Briscoe that was so engaging and authentic. You know, when I, when I talked to him for this interview, he was not in character. He was just him. He was just a dude. And even without a, he wasn't doing any promo, nothing. He was just like, yeah, I, 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 I want to get to know you, Jay. And he was like, okay, here's who, here's who I am. And it was still like, I want to buy a ticket to watch that guy. That's that magic that you don't get too often. And I couldn't believe when I went back and found the interview, which by the way, if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube. There's a pinned comment under the interview uh, that uh, will direct you to the uh, fundraiser for his family for all their expenses. So the top comment on that video is for the fundraiser. So if you watch that video and you enjoy it, uh, all that information is there if you want it. Um, it was episode 10. We're on episode, what is this, 431 of this podcast? It was episode 10. And he's incredible. I would suggest you go back and watch it if you haven't. I mean, there's a there's a great Ring of Honor match uh, that was uh, the Briscoes versus CM Punk and Colt Cabana, which who would have thought all these years later, all the direction, I mean, that right there, will tell you how much things change. And you know what doesn't change? The Briscoe brothers still going out there and having match of the night. The Age of the Fall storyline was such a big deal that in 2007, they main evented Final Battle. And I believe that was the first time that a tag team championship match was the main event for a Final Battle show. Final Battle being Ring of Honor's biggest event of the year. And in 2007, the Briscoes headlined it against Age of the Fall in that Ring of Honor tag team title match. 15 years later, in 2022, we get to final battle. And what's the main event? The Briscoes in a Ring of Honor tag team championship match. Um, You know, I mean, you, you just look at, 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 at the matches that they had. There's a Incredible one. It's on YouTube. It's for free. It's the Briscoes versus Homicide and Eddie Kingston. Homicide and Eddie Kingston, just two of the greatest. Now Eddie Kingston, of course, we see uh, all the time on AEW Dynamite. I mean, matches that you would have assumed never even happened. How about this one? This happened in a Ring of Honor ring. The Briscoe brothers versus Okada and Shinsuke Nakamura. Just up there on YouTube. All this history is right there. I can't imagine the level of loss uh, that close friends are feeling, even further that his family's feeling, even further that his wife and children are feeling right now. It's just, it, it's, it's the type of thing that you could, you, I mean, you can't fathom that level of loss. Most of us can't. And I hope that you never do have to fathom that level of loss because it's, it's, it must be utterly painful. I think that as wrestling fans, some of the stuff that I, and I'm so glad that the Briscoe brothers gave us and Jay Briscoe specifically, because He's no, he's always going to be known as a tag team wrestler, and he should be. That tag team, the Briscoes are one of the greatest tag teams in the history of professional wrestling, period. But Jay Briscoe is an incredible singles wrestler on his own. This is a former Ring of Honor world champion and a good one at that. I'm so glad that all of these matches happened in an era when everything was being recorded and everything ends up on the internet because that way nothing gets lost to time. Everything is findable. Everything is out there. And it makes me glad that, that Tony Khan owns the tape library and is going to put everything up online for everybody to just to make sure that it survives. You know, if somebody else buys Ring of Honor that's not a wrestling fan and doesn't know how to utilize the tape library, where does it all go? I I do feel like 
as wrestling fans, when you talk about career and when you talk about matches, the stuff that we were robbed of, I mean, the idea of having a, a, a double or nothing show or an all out show where you'd have the Briscoes versus the Young Bucks. If you had the Briscoes versus the Young Bucks on an AEW pay-per-view, I guarantee you'd be match of the year. Guarantee. I mean, FTR versus the Briscoes happened in December and people were like, okay, I'm gonna redo my match of the year candidates because that one just got it. The trilogy that they had, the Briscoes and FDR, FTR, and I'm so glad those are easily accessible because, I mean, talk about a, a high note in terms of, of, of professional wrestling. My God, all three of those matches. One of the greatest, I mean, it's in the conversation. When you're talking about great wrestling trilogies, FTR and the Briscoes are right there. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Bucks versus the Briscoes on an AEW pay-per-view? Can you imagine having to get to see the Usos versus the Briscoes? Do you understand that the tag team that the Usos have become and the tag team that the Briscoes had become, that would have been a, a, a life-changing match. The Usos versus the Briscoes has to go down as one of those dream matches that we can only think, what if? Can you imagine if we had gotten to see it? Um, there are a lot of people, I think, that are becoming more aware of Jay Briscoe's catalog and his contributions to wrestling now, now that, that there's so much acknowledgement happening, and I'm happy about that. I'm glad that that's happening, you know? I, I, I think that, that, sure, everybody wants to be appreciated, but legacy is important, man, and, and, the stuff that Jay did should last forever, you know? I, 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 I mean, I would love to see, I don't know how it could ever happen. I would love to see a documentary happen where you had guys in AEW and WWE all talking about why this guy is so special, because he is. Even Triple H put a tweet out about it because it's like, yeah, all the nonsense aside, all the everything aside, if we're just wrestling fans talking about wrestling, this guy's one of the great contributors to the business of all time. So yeah, um, I would go out of my way if I were you to find out, you know, if you don't already know why people are so obsessed. I mean, to me, it got to a point where in the last two years, when the Briscoe brothers were on a show, it elevated that show. When when the Briscoe brothers were on a GCW show, it was like, oh man, that's one that you have to go see. That's one that you have to get on the Fight Network. When when AEW started putting on the Ring of Honor pay-per-views, it was like, oh, the Briscoes are gonna be there? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, of course I wanna see, you know, Jericho and Claudio. Of course I wanna see this. Of course I wanna see Dalton Castle, but the Briscoe brothers are on that show. Yeah, that's a can't-miss show. They became a can't-miss act, and I'm glad that they got to become a can't-miss act because they were a can't-miss act for a long time in an organization that just didn't have enough eyeballs on it. I hope that uh, that, that it, it, it kicks people in the ass a little, and it's a, it's a reminder to be like, hey, you know, this is, this is, this is pro-wrestling. We need to take a chance, whether, you know, whatever's happening. We need to take a chance on people. We need to let people make mistakes, grow from them, recover from them, learn from them, and become better people, and then celebrate what they do in the biggest way humanly possible. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that so much time this week was spent celebrating Jay Briscoe in the biggest way humanly possible. Um, if you want more information on how to help his family out, 
Uh, there'll be info in the podcast description, or if you're watching on YouTube, there'll be info in the YouTube description as well, uh, as well as pinned comment to uh, to learn uh, how to help his family and how to how to help him out and everything. So there's that. You know, it's kind of hard to uh, come off of 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 that with any sort of uh, uh, topical wrestling stuff, but that's what we do here on the show. That's what we talk about here on the show. It was. Uh, it was announced this week that The Rock will not be at WrestleMania, that he won't have enough time to get in shape. That was announced by the wrestling media. Um, I believe that it is absolutely a meaningless report. And when I say meaningless, that is to say, I'm not saying that that's definitely not true. I'm not saying, oh, well, now you know he will be at WrestleMania. But what I am saying is, that as far as I'm concerned, I still have no idea whether or not he'll be at WrestleMania. I think there's certainly a chance that he won't be. And 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 that's not because WWE doesn't want to bring him in. That's because he's The Rock. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. And if he's going to be at WrestleMania with all this talk, it would be tough for him to just make an appearance. If he's going to be at WrestleMania, one would imagine it would be to have a match. And if he's going to have a match, one would imagine it would be against Roman Reigns. And if you're going to do The Rock versus Roman Reigns, one would imagine that it's going to happen in the main event. So he would have to get in WrestleMania main event shape. And that's what they're saying. That they don't know that, that, that now he simply won't have time to get into proper ring shape with all the other projects that he's got going on. Could very well be true. Also, could very well be something that is being said just to throw people off the track so he becomes more of a surprise. Also, could be completely fabricated, made up by somebody who told somebody else who told somebody else, and now it's being wrote, written about on websites. Could be that somebody said, I don't even think he'll get in enough, I don't think he's got enough time to get into ring shape. And then a hundred wrestling websites reported he won't have enough time to get into ring shape. He won't be at WrestleMania. Could be any of those things. So I am I I do not believe that that is anything. I mean, by the time that you hear this, maybe he will have already been on TV. I I'm recording this before Raw is XXX is on. Um, the podcast will come out if you're listening the minute it comes out. We don't know what's happened on the Raw 30th anniversary, but if you're listening to this any longer than a day after it comes out. We already saw the Raw 30th anniversary. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. What I will spend time on is what's going on this weekend, which is the Royal Rumble, the funnest show of the year. Uh, it, it brings in all those Royal Rumble to WrestleMania fans. And I was having a conversation about uh, this with somebody uh, this week that there is a type of wrestling fan that is the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania fan. That they tune in at the Royal Rumble, not even building or leading up to the Royal Rumble, unless you have something huge, like, you know, like Triple H's return in 2001. Maybe they started watching when Triple H returned at the Garden. But a lot, a good amount of people, I think, they start watching at the Royal Rumble, and then they go to WrestleMania, and then, you know, sort of peter out after WrestleMania. Some will watch the Raw after WrestleMania. Some make it all the way to Backlash, but they end up petering out. Their interest gets peaked again at SummerSlam for a hot second, drop out for the fall, and they're back by next year's Royal Rumble. There's a lot, that's the, ca to me, that's the casual wrestling fan. And I love them. But if the Royal Rumble sucks, they're not making it to WrestleMania. Royal Rumble last year was not great. Kind of sucked. And what I saw was a lot of Royal Rumble to WrestleMania fans just tuning out after the Royal Rumble and coming back for WrestleMania. If I had to put money this year, I believe that the Royal Rumble will not suck at all. I think that this is going to be a really good Royal Rumble uh, uh, because it's 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 time for it, you know? Um, we've got uh, a lot that's been announced for the Royal Rumble, but we've also got a lot that hasn't been announced as of press time for the Royal Rumble. So let's go over what we got. First of all, well, I'll tell you in a second. Let's go over the matches, the, the, the matches that we've got. We've got five matches on the show. Two of them are Royal Rumble matches, obviously. So you've got, those are going to be at least an hour each, as long as they're going by traditional Royal Rumble rules, which are every two minutes. 
They've gone every 60 seconds, which I think was way too fast. They've gone uh, every 90 seconds. I'm a stickler for tradition. Look, it's all kind of kayfabe anyway. It's a bit, roughly two minutes. It's rough. You can't set your watch to it. If you ask somebody, is it two minutes from the entrance, two minutes from the time they get in the ring, two minutes from, they're like, ah, you're asking too many questions. Just enjoy the show. But for me, every two minutes is the way to do the match. It's the traditional way to do the match. It's the way I like it. But with that said, those will be at least an hour each, plus three big singles matches. So you're looking at a four-hour show, which is, I think, at this point, fairly usual. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they add another match. I don't think they made it official, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Charlotte Flair uh, versus uh, Sonya get added. And I wouldn't be shocked to see the Usos have their match with Judgment Day. Although that might be happening on Raw. So maybe that's not going to happen. The SmackDown tournament won't be ready yet. We'll talk about that in a second. The title's getting split. Um, but you've got, of course, the main event, Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this, well, you might open the show with a Rumble match too. It's tough to say. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Um They've done a beautiful job leading to this match. Uh, what makes what makes the Bloodline storyline so different is just that level of mental abuse that Roman put Sammy through. The idea, the idea that Sammy Zayn has this match with Kevin Owens. The Usos and Solo interfere and beat down Kevin Owens just as Sammy is getting ready to win. Not only does that make it so that Sammy can't win on his own and go tell the boss, hey, I did it. Not only does that make it so that Sammy can't beat Kevin Owens and say, hey, you, person that's been in my life for all these years, I'm the better man. It also takes away his victory entirely. That means Kevin Owens wins by disqualification for outside interference. The Usos start dapping him up like, hey, we did this for you. Of course he's going to be upset. Anybody would be upset. Next week, he comes into the locker room. He's talking to Roman Reigns. And Roman goes, uh, 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 what's wrong? Clearly something's wrong. Roman pushes him into telling him what's wrong. Roman knows what he did. Roman did it on purpose. Roman knows what's bothering Sami Zayn because Roman knows when he did what he did, it would bother Sami Zayn. Then he forces Sami Zayn to say the thing that Roman did to him. And when he does say it, Sami that is, Roman responds with, this level of, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Why would I have to explain myself to you? I'm the tribal chief. You are using me. Maybe you should go find your own bloodline. This is gaslighting 101. I have never seen this level of mental torture, this level of emotional abuse injected into a storyline. I have never seen a more emotionally abusive heel than I see with the bloodline. And you have Paul Heyman over here who's working on a completely different level. What the hell are Paul Heyman's motives? One week, he's sending Sami Zayn into Roman's office, completely sabotaging him. You know, Roman's gonna be upset for what you did. And then when Sammy goes in and says, Roman, are you upset for what I did? Paul Heyman, oh, why would you ask him that? Roman, can you believe he asked you that? Why would you ask him that? Because you put the idea in his head, Paul. And then, so you're like, oh, he's sabotaging Sammy Zayn. Then when, when Roman almost throws Sammy out of the bloodline, Paul Heyman starts manipulating Roman and going, oh, if I may, if I may, sir, you're, you're the boss, sir, if I may. Wouldn't it be better to have him in the castle pissing out, then out of the castle pissing in. And that's when Roman goes, okay, Paul, so what are your motives, Paul? Then Roman 
makes Sammy prove himself by going like, I'm going to give you all the busy work. Get the cars ready. Get the jets ready. Get, and he gives him, and it's so important. It's crucial that he's got a list of things. It's not just one thing. He's got a list of things. So then when Sammy Zayn attacks, I mean, when Kevin Owens attacks Roman Reigns, Sammy Zayn is late getting there. And by the time he gets out there, Kevin Owens has already done the damage. So Roman and Paul Heyman can go, Sammy, where were you? And Sammy goes, I was just doing what you told me to. And Roman goes, Sammy, this is very bad. Like the Stockholm syndrome that has got to be settling in for Sammy Zayn. So the question is, now I don't think that there's any shot of Kevin Owens winning the undisputed universal WWE championship at the Royal Rumble. If they're going to take the title off Roman, they'll take it off at WrestleMania. I don't think they should. I think there is the possibility of a wonky finish that results in the beginning of a title split, right? And that Roman has to either defend one title or he's stripped of one title or something happens. I truly believe still that Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns will be your main event for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And I think that there are two directions that we could go in. A lot of people want Sami Zayn to have the main event of WrestleMania. On one end of things, well, there's three possibilities here. You could not do the Roman match at the Elimination Chamber, even though it's in Montreal, and you could do Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. I do not think that that's going to happen. I don't think that it's right for it to happen. As much as it's been the greatest storyline ever, I think by the time we get to WrestleMania, we're telling a different story. I think that the obvious way to go is to do Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for whatever is left of the tag team championship. They're splitting the titles. By that time, who knows? You know, the Usos are going to have to compete against the Judgment Day for the Raw Tag Team Championship at some point. I think in Raw. And they're going to have to compete against, uh, I would imagine, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I mean, it could be Imperium. But I would imagine, you know, I guess it could be any, but I, I would imagine it'll be Drew McIntyre and Sheamus that the Usos will have to compete against against some point, right? For the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. So those titles are either getting split or they're at least getting defended separately going forward. You could have Kevin Owens. I think the way to do it would be to have the Usos drop the Raw Tag Team title and to have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, which is that record that the Usos have for a number of days. So it's a bigger deal when they lose the title. If you're going to do that. The other way you could go is instead of having Kevin Owens and Sammy team up, you have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn compete against each other. Kevin Owens is the heel, Sami Zayn as the babyface, where Sammy finally frees himself of the bloodline, but Kevin Owens does not accept his apology and attacks him. And so now the underdog that Sammy was against Roman Reigns, he is against Kevin Owens. And the match that you have at WrestleMania is for the WWE Championship. Roman Reigns has a match for the Universal Championship. You split the title before WrestleMania. You get to eliminate, you start planting the seeds at Royal Rumble. You get to Elimination Chamber and enough is enough. Roman Reigns is stripped of the WWE Championship. Kevin Owens wins the Elimination Chamber, but instead of being crowned WWE Champion, he is given the opportunity to compete for it at WrestleMania. And at WrestleMania, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn is your WWE Championship match to headline night one. That's what I that's where I would go with it. Um so at the Royal Rumble, we've got Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. I think Roman Reigns holds on to the title, 
but uh, I, I, I think that it'll be the beginning of splitting those titles and probably hit a big act in the story of Sami Zayn splitting from the bloodline. You've got Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss. Now, this is a very Uncle Howdy heavy undercard. We have three matches announced officially for the undercard of the Royal Rumble. And Uncle Howdy is involved in two of the three matches. So we'll see how it works out. But Bianca Belair is defending the title against Alexa Bliss. I do not think that Bianca Belair is going to lose the title to Alexa Bliss. I think that Bianca Belair is going to carry that title into the Royal Rumble. I think that the winner of the Royal Rumble, I think right now, Roman Reigns and Bianca Belair are your two most dominant champions, are your two most marquee champions. Walter might be right under, but when you look at the reigns that they've had, when you look at the matches that they've had, Roman Reigns and Bianca Belair are your defending champions going into WrestleMania. Anything can happen with the other titles, in my opinion. So I think Bianca Belair wins this match uh, in spite of Uncle Howdy. But clearly, this Uncle Howdy-Alexa Bliss thing has to continue. And I think that Alexa Bliss probably pops up in the Bray Wyatt-LA Knight thing. I think that uh, LA Knight's probably going to win. I think Alexa Bliss may even help LA Knight win because I think that uh, LA Knight uh, winning is going to be the final step that Bray Wyatt needs to bring the Fiend back. And it will lead us to Uncle Howdy with Alexa Bliss under her control having a match against the Fiend at WrestleMania. So Uncle Howdy is in charge of Alexa Bliss. The Fiend is on his own. And it's Uncle Howdy versus The Fiend, Alexa Bliss at ringside. Now let's get to the Royal Rumble matches themselves. This is what it's all about. This is what the bets are going to be about. This is what everybody's going to be having fun uh, doing on Saturday night looking. Now, as of this recording, and I'm assuming we're doing this before Raw and SmackDown. I'm not assuming that. That's definite. But what I am assuming is that on Raw and SmackDown, we're going to get more participants announced for both matches, but the women's match especially because on the women's side, you've only got, by my calculations, seven entrants announced for the Royal Rumble. We have Liv Morgan, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, Shayna Baszler, Zelina Vega, and Emma announced for the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, there's a lot that can get added to that match. Uh, Ronda Rousey has disappeared since losing the title to Charlotte. Ronda Rousey could return for the Royal Rumble. I don't think it would be the uh, big, hyped Ronda Rousey wins the Royal Rumble return that last year was, uh, but she could come back for the Royal Rumble. Uh, if Charlotte doesn't defend against Sonya Deville, I guess she... Well, I, I would keep the champions out. We've done that before, but yeah... I mean, Charlotte should be on the pay-per-view somewhere, so maybe she'll defend against Sonya Deville, and that would also explain why Sonya Deville uh, is not in this match. Uh, I'm curious as to where Becky Lynch is going to land. Uh, maybe they're keeping her out of the Royal Rumble just so she doesn't lose the Royal Rumble. But I think she should be in the Royal Rumble match. Well, I think Becky Lynch is going to have to climb back towards uh, uh, the, the throne, you know? So I think I think Becky should be in the Rumble. Um, I mean, really, the whole roster that's not wrestling for a title should be in the Women's Royal Rumble match. But then in terms of legends, uh, you know, I don't know who's in what kind of shape. I think uh, the Bellas are, are a layup. Uh, you know, I would love to see Eve Torres jump back in there. Uh, I think Kelly Kelly's been in most of them, but I always pop for a Kelly Kelly comeback. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm expecting that, uh, in terms of who's winning, I guess Rhea Ripley did an interview last week because now the headline is that Rhea Ripley has said that she wants to be in the men's Royal Rumble match. And I think that'd be great. I love, I love the Rhea Ripley versus Akira Tozawa match. I love the idea that we're doing intergender stuff. And I think that Rhea Ripley is the person to do it. All that said, 
I do not want Rhea Ripley in the men's Royal Rumble match. The reason I don't want Rhea Ripley in the men's Royal Rumble match is because that only works if she gets eliminated from the women's Royal Rumble match and then later in the night shows up and now she's in the men's Royal Rumble match. The reason I don't want that to happen is because I would like Rhea Ripley to win the women's Royal Rumble match. Rhea Ripley has been on the trajectory that we have all been waiting for. Rhea Ripley had a WrestleMania moment. You know, Rhea Ripley had her match with Charlotte at WrestleMania. It was number one, the COVID WrestleMania, and it was number two, too early, in my opinion. I think now, now is the time that Rhea Ripley is ready. And I think doing a Bianca Belair, you could do Charlotte, I would do Bianca. Doing a Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley match at WrestleMania would be the match. And it would be the one where it's like, this is probably the one that, that I would want Bianca to lose. I want to see Bianca have to climb back up the mountain. I want to see Bianca have to fight to get that title back in a field that's now become more competitive with Charlotte back, with Becky Lynch with no title, with Alexa Bliss talking to Uncle Howdy all the time. You know, I, I, I want to see that. So for me, I think, and who knows, as the week goes on, my opinion may change, but Rhea Ripley would be the person that I want to win the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, for the men, this is where it gets interesting. I think they're going to throw everything at the Men's Royal Rumble match. I think that the reason that Cody Rhodes was announced already, number one, is because there's no reason for it to be a surprise. I think that they've got enough surprises planned where a Cody, it'll either take away from, something's going to get taken away from. If Cody is your surprise, then it might take away from the other surprises or the other surprises might take away from Cody. Why mix and match? You don't want him to announce in person because Cody's pop is going to be about the fact that we're seeing him back in an arena for the first time. That's why all this stuff has been pre-recorded. That's why we haven't seen Cody. Because the first time you see him back is when he walks down that aisle. And it's not a surprise the way John Cena was because everybody's been following the timeline. Everybody has been expecting literally since Helena Cell. They started counting months and said, yeah, he'll come back in the Royal Rumble. He'll enter and he'll win. Maybe Cody will win. But this is who we've got announced for the Royal Rumble match. Cody Rhodes, of course. Uh, Kofi Kingston, who was the first to announce way early on the 2nd of December, Santos Escobar is in it, Ricochet, Austin Theory, Seth freaking Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, the modern-day wrestling god, as it were, Rey Mysterio, Gunther, Amos, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Karrion Cross. I would imagine that we'll get some uh, Judgment Day influence in this match as well. I would think I, you've got to put Dominic Mysterio in there, right? Or maybe you maybe the thing is you don't put Dominic Mysterio in. Maybe you put Finn Balor and Damian Priest in. And maybe Dominic comes out to help with the elimination of his father. I still think that we've, we're going to set up a Dominic versus Rey Mysterio match at WrestleMania. I think that, and I think the Royal Rumble would be a good place to start it because they're on separate rosters. And I don't know if we have any major holidays coming up between now and WrestleMania that would result in Dominic going to Ray's house to set it up. So I feel like the Royal Rumble is a good place to set it up. I feel like you do Dominic having Ray get eliminated with the help of the Judgment Day in the ring. And then Ray doing something uh, around Elimination Chamber, having Dominic interfere in that, and enough is enough. Fine, I'll fight you. And Dominic says, put your career on the line. Um, so I think you're going to have that. Uh, I would imagine you'll get Edge coming back, and that may be where if you have the Judgment Day eliminating Ray with Dominic's help, then Edge comes back to take out Finn Balor and Damian Priest because he's got unfinished business with them, I think you might be on to something there. Um, I don't think AJ Styles will be back from injury by Royal Rumble. He might be. Uh, Johnny Gargano is supposed to be back from injury by Royal Rumble, so he may be a surprise. Um, 
I, I think you, you've got to have legends coming back, right? Like, I don't know if this is where you bring Brock Lesnar back. It might be. Uh, I don't think you want to have Brock Lesnar winning, but it might be where you bring Brock Lesnar back. Uh, look, if you really want to tell a story, you have... Sami Zayn enter this thing because we've also got no bloodline representation in this thing. You have Sami Zayn enter the Royal Rumble. You have Roman becoming offended by that. You go to wrestle, you go to Elimination Chamber with Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. And you can still do my other idea, which was split the titles have the WWE Championship be vacant by WrestleMania and have Sami Zayn cash in his actual Royal Rumble win at WrestleMania by facing Kevin Owens in the main event of night one for the WWE Championship. So my reach is that Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble. Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble. He loses to Roman in Elimination Chamber. He goes to WrestleMania to face Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship night one. I think... uh, Seth Rollins is absolutely a possibility. Cody is the obvious one, right? Cody is very obvious. Nobody's going to be disappointed if Cody wins. It's not a problem. He might not win, right? It wouldn't be, I mean, for me to just say, yeah, it'll probably be Cody is not much of a fun, why are we doing a podcast then? Why are we making videos? Like, why? that's not fun. So, Cody could absolutely win. I think Seth Rollins could very well win. The idea of going to WrestleMania with Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, I don't think you're going to have anybody upset. I think you could have Seth Rollins eliminate Cody. You could go to Elimination Chamber with Seth Rollins versus Cody with the Royal Rumble spot on the line. You could have Seth Rollins finally beat Cody. It's Cody's first loss. Seth Rollins goes to WrestleMania. And then coming off of WrestleMania, Cody has to chase, maybe Seth Rollins beats Roman Reigns. And then Cody has to chase Seth Rollins for the title now. That's something. You could have Roman Reigns enter the Royal Rumble as champion after beating Kevin Owens. You could have Roman eliminate Cody. And then you could have Sammy accidentally eliminate Roman and have Sammy win so Roman doesn't win the Rumble. Because I think once Roman comes out, once he eliminates Cody, Cody comes in at number one, Roman comes in at number 30. Roman eliminates Cody. Roman gets eliminated. And now it's anybody's ball game. I think that's a very exciting finish. Uh, I absolutely think that The Rock is as big a possibility as anybody coming in and winning the match. I don't think he needs to. I think he could still go to WrestleMania if he doesn't. By my calculations... If Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble, and if Kevin Owens wins the Elimination Chamber, then you've got Sami versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, and you can still do Roman Reigns versus The Rock on night two. And you've cashed in your Royal Rumble, your Elimination Chamber, and you've got your Rock match. So it's not a problem there. But will it happen? I don't know. Hell, Stone Cold Steve Austin could be in this. I don't think he will. I think that the the pop of seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin is still that pop. I believe Stone Cold Steve Austin will have a match at WrestleMania. That's my belief. Uh, I don't know that the Royal Rumble sets it up, but we are looking at a Royal Rumble where it's not unfeasible that Brock Lesnar, The Rock, and Steve Austin are all in this thing. Hell, we could put Goldberg in this thing. I wouldn't be against it, having Goldberg in the Royal Rumble. As long as he gets eliminated, maybe Lash. What if Lashley eliminates Brock Lesnar? What if we have Brock Lesnar enter and Lashley eliminates him? I'm down for another Lashley-Lesnar match at WrestleMania. I'm down for it. I wouldn't be mad at it at all. So for me, and then you got Karrion Cross in there. Braun Strowman, of course, is a big galoot. I think uh, I think Gunther, even though you've got Karrion Cross, who's a, a maniacal... Uh, 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 superstar that will just destroy everybody. Dominant, maniacal, dominant superstar. I think he'll do fine. Braun Strowman is as big as a house, yes. But I think Gunther is going to be the one 
that gets that Kane spot, that Diesel spot, where he's indestructible and he has a showing. I think this is going to be a big show out for Gunther. But if it's me, I'm going to go for it. Right now, I'm going to make my call. Sami Zayn is winning the Royal Rumble. Goes to rest, goes to Elimination Chamber to face Roman Reigns. And then faces Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Tell me I don't know how to book. Go ahead. Before we wrap things up today, let's go to these emails. If you want to email the show, notsamwrestling at gmail.com is our email. Notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, this is coming from Pratik. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Dear Not Sam, hope this email finds you well. I'm writing to express my admiration for your content, particularly your podcast. I've been a longtime fan, and it never fails to entertain and inform me. Good. Good. And if you're not careful, you just might learn something. Uh, recently, I was listening to one of your apps where you discussed the topic of the greatest women's wrestler of all time. I was particularly intrigued by your argument that Charlotte Flair might hold the title. I said might. I'm not ready to make the argument. I can certainly see why you might uh, make that argument, as Charlotte Flair is undoubtedly one of the most accomplished and talented wrestlers in the industry. Her in-ring abilities are second to none. And she has a wealth of experience and accolades to back it up. However, I wanted to share my perspective on the topic and express that my belief that Alexa Bliss is also a strong candidate for the title of greatest women's wrestler. I don't know about that. She may not have the same level of in-ring experience as Charlotte. She more than makes up for it with her exceptional mic skills and creativity. Alexa Bliss is a max master of character development and storytelling. Um, I appreciate it, Pratik. Uh, I do not think I would go that far at all. However... I do think that when Alexa Bliss starts getting involved in character work, I think Alexa Bliss is a great actress. I think she's a great performer from an acting level. I think if I've got something far out for any of the women to do, Alexa Bliss is going to be my go-to because she's going to be able to pull it off. She pulled off a lot of really weird and wacky Bray Wyatt stuff and to me actually made it compelling. So I see what you're saying. She's very, very, and, and from that category, yeah, I'd give it to her, but not overall. Uh, this one's from Matt. I love listening to you on Patreon each week. Uh, I would love to know your thoughts on Shelton Benjamin being in WWE for over 20 years. I think he's the unsung hero to wrestling, and he probably is going to go down as a top five wrestler that never won world championship in WWE. Curious your thoughts. Uh, this says, uh, curious your thoughts, give up the great work. I am not going to give up the great work that I'm doing because it's great, but uh, I'm assuming you meant keep. Um yeah, I mean, I think one day we will do a podcast devoted to Shelton Benjamin. Top five to never hold a WWE championship. Uh, I'd have to really look at that list. Uh, but yeah, Shelton Benjamin is an unsung hero. The stuff that he did in early Money in the Bank matches, uh, the matches that he had with Triple H, the matches that he had with Shawn Michaels on Raw made him. I mean, yeah, he's he's phenomenal and interesting that, yeah, that that he's one that I, I think still goes underappreciated. And this was from Josh. Hey, Sam, what's the haps? Um, this says, uh, with all the talks of guests for the Rumble, how come nobody has really brought up Nick Aldis or hear me out? Uh, Bobby Lashley in the Rumble doing some work when he puts on the hurt lock. When the countdown starts, you hear that buzzer go off. Boom, Chris Masters. He hits the ring. Bobby kind of throws the guy he had towards him. Chris puts him in the master lock. I can hear Michael Cole going crazy as they do master lock versus hurt lock during the Rumble. Also would like to know your thoughts on if they should bring back people pulling their entries during the show like they did in the early 2000s, number one. Or I'll start with the last first, yes. 100%, I think they should do it during the pre-show, as a matter of fact. Have the thing up there, do it backstage, not live. It'll seem too uh, inorganic, I think, doing it live in the arena. But doing it on the backstage set, having Adam Pierce there and having them draw numbers out of the tumbler. They got an hour pre-show, why not? Hell, have your boy, have the last professional broadcaster manning the tumbler. Wouldn't that be amazing? Sam Roberts is backstage with the tumbler. I think people would lose their minds for it. There's your number. I'm trying to analyze the facial expressions of the people as they come out. I would love to be the tumbler guy during the pre-show. Michael Cole, hello. May I know you're listening. Somebody tell Michael Cole if he's not listening because actually I know he's not listening. Somebody tell Michael Cole. I'm going to be in San Antonio anyway. Put up the not Sam signal. You know, I always answer. Make me the tumbler guy for the pre-show. I want to be the Royal Rumble tumbler guy on the pre-show of the Royal Rumble. It's the role I was born to play. Now your next question. 
Bobby Lashley. Uh, I think that that would be a cute spot. I think Chris Masters, and all due respect to Chris Masters, I think he's great. But I think if he came back, it would be more in one of those like, oh, wow, like, oh, I remember Chris Masters. Oh, this is kind of fun. But I think the only thing that would happen is he would put Bobby Lashley in the master lock. Bobby Lashley would break it immediately. And then he would put Chris Masters in the hurt lock and throw him over the top rope. You know, I think that it would be a cute spot. I think it would be fun. But I think that's as far as it would go. You know, I think they've done, they spent too much time building Bobby Lashley. So that is where I leave you. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. If you want more content, we'll probably have more insight about the Royal Rumble as the week progresses. So go to patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. There's a bonus podcast that goes up every week for all tiers as well as everything else. Read the whole site, figure out what tier works for you. And uh, I'll see you next week for more Not Sam Wrestling.